I'm Bailey. And I'm Katie. Let's put on our prose-tinted glasses and discuss subgenres, sex and books, growing up. Today's episode is about the disparity between young adult and new adult books, how that kind of is starting to come around and become a thing that people talk about and care about, and uh, like kind of the emergence of the new adult genre. And just a quick spoiler warning here at the top of the show, we're not going to get into too much detail here. Everything is going to be talked about at a very high level, but as always, we are not a spoiler-free show. So we will start by uh, the way any good thing should start with the definitions. I went on Goodreads to get these definitions. So young adult fiction is defined as fiction written for, published for, are marketed to adolescents and young adults roughly ages 13 to 18. It has distinct attributes that distinguish it from age categories of fiction, and the vast majority of YA portray an adolescent as the protagonist rather than an adult or child. Right, and I think that we can see that in most YA books. You know, it's all about sort of the coming of age and, you know... kids becoming adults and like making sense of their surroundings i definitely think ya is a pretty clear-cut definition um when i'm going to read new adult it will get a little more challenging to see and that's kind of what this whole episode will be about so (laughs) okay bailey tell me what a new adult book is this genre tends to focus on issues prevalent in the young adult genre as well as focusing on issues experienced by individuals between the area of adulthood and childhood, such as leaving home for university and getting a job. New adult is typically considered a subcategory of adult literature rather than young adult literature. Yeah, so new adult is aimed at the more like college-age 20-somethings, in my view, and I think a lot of what we're going through at that age is still fairly similar to young adult, but it's also about as we grow up, we discover ourselves a lot of different times. And I feel like young adult is really about that like first discovery of like, who am I? What is the world around me? What is my place in it? And then after that, I feel like we go through lots more discoveries about like, okay, I've got like that, that basic info, but like, how do I make that work for me? How do I, you know, evolve in my life? And I feel like that's where new adult takes over. Yes. And I think for me, new adult, is a really good way to still have fun reading and relate to your reading because definitely um, I don't relate to a 40, well, a retired detective who moved to Ireland and now is searching for a missing kid. Did I love The Searcher? Yes, good book. But I don't relate to the protagonist as much as I felt like all of the young adult books I read growing up, I related to them. Yeah, exactly. And it's also, it feels like a lot of the time in publishing, it's like the young adult books are where all the fun stuff gets to happen. And then you start reading about 45-year-old divorcees. And I still want to do and read a lot of the things that happen in YA. I just want it to be with a more 
relatable protagonist, like someone that's in their mid-20s or someone in college, someone going through the more adult struggles of life, then, you know, should I get with the boy from my hometown or the boy that I met in the dystopian world or, you know, whatever? I mean, it's definitely the latter, but (laughs) they... A lot of times you'll see new adult is adult content with YA flow. And that statement works for me a little bit because, as you said, Katie, it's the more fun happenings. It's not as serious. You still get to have enjoyment. But at the same time, it doesn't work for me because I don't think that adult books don't have fast-paced flow. So I think it's the right sentiment but the wrong way to say it. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I do think that there is a very specific type of pacing that happens more in YA than regular adult books. Um, there's always that, like, I don't know quite how to verbalize what I'm thinking. But it's it's very quick-paced, and there is sort of a specific way the arc unfolds. But now that I'm saying it out loud, it just sounds like you know, every literature class I've ever taken. And I'm not sure how to differentiate what I'm thinking. (laughs) Maybe as we keep talking, we'll be able to break it down a little bit better, um, especially (laughs) with specific examples, because uh, I have read a lot of YA. Even now, as an adult, I read a lot of YA because I think it's fun. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I don't relate to it very well. And that comes off uh, comes off often as not liking a book, but sometimes I still deeply enjoy the YA. So, yeah, I love a lot of YA books, and I love YA as a genre. And I think that there's a lot to be said for it as a genre, especially the way it's been evolving in the past decade or so. And there's nothing wrong with YA, and I'll definitely still pick up YA books a lot. But I think that the emergence of new adult is really exciting for that that older protagonist. I have definitely absolutely devoured almost every single book that we're going to discuss here because for the same reason, this new adult genre just really ticks all the check boxes I want out of an enjoyable book. It truly does. <laughs> yeah. So let's move on to some specific examples. I know, I feel like the poster child for new adult right now is Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston, which Bailey and I have both read, and we love it very much. Yes. <laughs> what a great book. It deserves a little bit of its poster child status uh, for a number of reasons, but also because it does embody a bit of that new adult feel where the themes are more mature than a YA novel, and there's very much the not just the first coming of age, but really the dealing with it as an adult. Yeah, I agree completely. I feel like it would have been easy to age the characters down and add, like, Alex reckoning with being a first kid for the first couple of years. And that, I think, is more your more typical YA fair, where he's, like, in a new surrounding and then dealing with being in the new surrounding. And I like that we got to kind of fast forward through that. And he's secure in his like physical surrounding and he's secure in who he is as a person. And that doesn't preclude character development because of course he still learns more about himself and maybe even changes course off of his like long held belief that he would just become a, a Senator really young 
And it's just a, like a refreshing take on that kind of story. Right. I do enjoy the sort of new adult coming of age as in that it's the protagonist reckoning with their career or what they think they want to do with life. They aren't they already have an idea of who they want to be and then they're dealing with an event that makes them reevaluate that. And I find that rings really true for me as someone who's often very similar in age to those new adult protagonists. It's much more interesting and impactful to me that they're reckoning with themselves for their whole future as opposed to, as you said earlier, just, oh, this is who I am for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I also just recently finished Ninth House by Lee Bardugo, which is another clear new adult book. Uh, it was interesting to me for several reasons. One is because... I think this is coming out before all of our Grishaverse episodes, but Bailey and I just went on a basically an odyssey to read all of the Grishaverse, uh, the Six of Crows duology. I ca- caught up with King of Scars, and we're all doing that in preparation for the TV show coming out. So I was really familiar with Lee Bardugo's writing and getting to read Ninth House and have that like aged up set of characters was really great and interesting and have it in a college setting. And even more than that, Alex is like an older college freshman. She starts college when she's 20. So it's really nice to see how all of that plays into her as a character and her journey. Yes, I really loved that book more than... Well, I love Six of Crows. You'll get to hear all about that. Um, but <laughs> I liked Ninth House because it felt very different than Libra Dugo's other stuff. And also because the characters that were in it felt very true to me and people that I, well, you know, except for the supernatural stuff, might have known. <laughs> yeah. Every new character we met was just like somebody I knew in college. Right. Very clearly. Right down to the student that started a little bit later and had a lot of uh, world-weary lessons for you, kind of like (laughs) Alex can have. (laughs) And there was an interview between the audiobook narrator, Lauren Fortgang, and Lee Bardugo at the end of the audiobook. And she talks about how Ninth House is actually the second idea that she brought to her agent after she sold Shadow and Bone. But they couldn't find a place to publish it because it wasn't about teenagers. So they really couldn't put it in young adult. And they talked a lot about how it really needed to not be about teenagers. Like it couldn't be a young adult novel based on the virtue of it being set in a college. And that setting is really integral to the book. And so they kind of just had to keep putting it on the shelf for several years until they felt like they actually could find a place to publish it. And I feel like that is for sure in reference of this sort of emerging genre of new adult. And it's really frustrating because, as I said, it's a very enjoyable book. And for Lee Berdugo to have to wait until after she'd sort of become very well known for these seven other books, I can't add, six other books (laughs) to publish this based on now the fact that new adult is getting bigger and also that she has sort of a fan following that could be trusted to make this book a success versus publishing a good book because it's good or not publishing it even though it's good because they don't feel like there's a market share for new adult for people who don't fit into YA 
but aren't ready for the older protagonist yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is frustrating, and it's really... I think they actually started... They, the nebulous they, being like the publish indus- publishing industry, started sort of trying to push New Adult about a decade ago. And there was a lot of pushback from other publishers and from marketers and literary agents because there wasn't, like, it wasn't considered marketable. And so they just kept putting those books aside or putting them into genres that they don't best fit or even in a lot of cases i think de-aging the characters and just sticking it in young adult and um to to varied results we have a lot of opinions on de-aging characters (laughs) (laughs) yeah we'll get into more of that with six of crows for sure it doesn't work and i think it does a disservice to the author's ability to write a book to try and force it into a specific publishing group and i don't i don't love it um i do love to see some of these authors transitioning between the two groups though uh because as we discussed Liberdugo has a new adult book and then the grisha versus young adult There are other authors who've also sort of published in both areas, one being V.E. Schwab, who actually has young adult, middle grade, and new adult books. Yeah, and I mean, and regular adult, if we want to count Addie LaRue, which I think we'll touch on a little bit more later. But Bailey, you're specifically talking about A Darker Shade of Magic, right? Yes, so it's a trilogy that fits into the sort of new adult thing. And again, the protagonist is sort of older. Editing Bailey here to say that I definitely meant Kel the entire time, but was terrified of saying Kelsier, as in the main protagonist from the Mistborn series, and therefore used the phrase the protagonist the entire time. You can tell from the writing that he has already had a reckoning with his place in this world. A brief overview, there are three Londons. Only specific people have the ability to travel between the three Londons. He is one of them, which means he's kept by the royal family of his London so that he can go between the other royals and, you know, play political. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Bailey, I actually, I started this book this morning um, because I just, I needed a new book and um, I didn't get through as much of it as I was hoping, but it has been interesting. And also just totally a side note, the narrator for the audiobook is really um he's like a he's got a really like old school proper british voice and so it honestly feels more like i'm reading like a neil gaiman novel than like a a ya or like a a new adult novel and it took me a little bit to get into it but now that i've adjusted i'm really enjoying it so far i will absolutely be listening to a (laughs) sample of this audiobook after this (laughs) So you can tell the protagonist has already had his reckoning with, you know, sort of being kept by the royal family for this purpose. But then something happens in the plot. Katie, now I have to be very careful that I don't spoil more (laughs) of it for you. That he has to face a new choice and a new decision sets him on the road to character growth that isn't necessarily just what am I doing here? Mm -hmm. Um, But I have not read her young adult novels yet. So I can't say that, but I just wanted to talk about V.E. Schwab as an example of someone who's clearly very successfully bridged the gap between multiple genres. Yeah. And I mean, we see that happening again with Sarah J. Moss, which Bailey, I know you have opinions, TM, 
Um, and I have not read any of her books now, but I feel like with all of the discussion that's going on right now about Akatar, it would be irresponsible to leave her out completely. Yes. So she has the Crescent City novels, which are definitely listed as adult uh, or new adult. And I read it. It was 800 pages of a slog, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, and the reasons I feel like it got put as new adult were because they're like fairy drugs and also they curse and wear leather jackets and go to clubs. I didn't feel like anything in the plot made it adult. Uh, so I'm not really sure how uh, SJM is transitioning as much. Um, also, people are like, oh my gosh, it's so spicy. If you go on Book Talk, they're always like, this <laughs> is the spicy book. You need to read this. Spicy meaning it has sex scenes. First of all, I'm not really into like spicy books unless I'm going to specifically go read a romance. <laughs> so take that or leave that i want tension there doesn't need to be <laughs> spice there needs to be tension can it be sexual tension absolutely <laughs> but it doesn't have to be yeah uh i'm right there with you i don't i don't dislike spice but it is something i i typically like i would go looking for it if i was interested in it for the most part so right. i guess that just brings us to the question of is new adult just sexy young adult you know is it just young adult where they've aged everybody up and now we get to have sex and drugs and i i think that there are a lot of instances of this it feels very much like bruce no i heard that noise i guess bruce does not think that it's just sexy young adult there are instances of new adult where it feels very much like um bailey i know you've watched doctor who and you you've watched torchwood right or no I've seen an episode or two, but I have not sat down and watched like all of Torchwood. Okay. The the first or second episode of Torchwood is, which if you're not familiar, Torchwood is a spinoff of Doctor Who. And one of the first two episodes is about sex monsters. And Doctor Who is like a very kid-friendly show. And it really just feels like Torchwood's like, this one's for adult and you can tell because we talk about sex. Um, and it does feel like several new adult books do kind of fall into that same trap, you know? Yes. And I, like I said, I if I want to get a book that is like, yes, sex, I'll go find one. They exist and there's a huge market for them. <laughs> um, but that's not what I want when I grab a book that's sort of billed as something else, that's billed as like a fantasy book, unless it fits into the fantasy book. And I... And that's the thing with, like, Akatar by uh, SJM. Like, I noticed when I was at Barnes & Noble the other day that now those books are in the adult section. But when I first read them, like, two years ago, they were listed in young adult when I borrowed them from the library. So um, I'm wondering, one, if people just noticed that there's thinly, thinly veiled euphemisms, which I am glad that in new adult we can leave the euphemisms behind. Yeah, I don't think we, I don't think anyone needs to read the phrase velvet wrapped steel ever again. Ever again. <laughs> I actually just read a romance novel, The Deal, and that didn't even have euphemisms, but still the phrasing she used. I was like, oh my God, but that's a story for another time. 
<laughs> I looked up some list of new adult books, you know, in preparation for this talk about like, let's see what is on the internet as new adult. So it's not just Katie and I telling you guys our opinions about what new adult books are, which to be clear, <laughs> we're going to do that. But I wanted to add more. Yeah, I mean, what else are you here for if not to just hear us talk about our opinions to each other? Right. A lot of these lists were all just romance novels. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I noticed that too. Just nothing until you got very far down. I did see Red, White, and Royal Blue at like the bottom of one list, which first of all, yeah, I know there's romance. I know there's sex. That's There's so much more to that book. It didn't deserve to be at the bottom of this list. <laughs> I agree. Like, Red, White, and Royal Blue clearly is a book that has romance, and clearly the relationship between Alex and Henry is, like, central to the book, but it doesn't feel very much like a book that belongs in the romance genre, and I think there's a very clear difference. I agree. There's conflict that's outside of their relationship, mm -hmm. and so for me, that makes it definitely outside of the realm of romance because I feel like a lot of the true romance books I've read the conflict is within the romance within the relationship yeah it's just it's just a different thing and I don't say that to knock on romance novels I love romance novels there's definitely a place for them uh, I am obsessed with the Bridgerton novels and have been even since before the TV show and I'm obsessed with the TV show it's all great it's just not what I feel red white and real blue is exactly the things can have crossover and still be different and i also feel like that in new adult you have so many opportunities to make romance be so much more than smut and so to which i smut is like sort of the derogatory term used for sex novels but it seems to be the best mm -hmm. way to describe them without a phrase so don't get mad when I say smut. I'm not disparaging that because, again, I think there's a place for it. And sometimes you just need to read a good, dirty romance novel. Um, but I think New Adult has so many opportunities to make a, a relationship more in-depth than just the sex scenes because real-life romance is not just sex. Yeah, I think that you're really hitting on a point, and it goes off of what we were talking about earlier about how you're discovering yourself in like your second or third way after you've sort of done the typical coming of age. In YA, I feel like romances are often very first love and very um, passionate and instinctual and more from like a this like need to be loved. And I feel like in Red, White, and Royal Blue and in a lot of new adult romances, the romance is more complex and you know they have to choose to love each other and they have to navigate all of these like different circumstances and really weigh whether or not their relationship is like worth it whether it's what they need to be doing and then they need to like choose it on a level deeper than just their feelings exactly and they are also realizing is the relationship fulfilling everything i need with new adult the the people in the relationship are also sort of realizing that there are things that they have to work through within their relationship that aren't just do we want to be together or not it's how they want to be together they both have pasts and different things that they need to have discussions about if it's going to work and i think you know we're going to come back to red white and royal blue a lot 
um, Henry and Alex have to do this too. There's a sort of realization that they can't just fall into this relationship, that they are going to have to work on it a little bit. And that's very different than the YA version of, oh my God, we were enemies and we were forced to spend time together and now we're lovers. Again, big enemies to lovers fans here, but Mm -hmm. you can have that and you can also have a complex, deep relationship. They're just different. Yeah, I agree. I I think, you know, maybe we're just beating a dead horse at this point, but I think that in YA, the struggle with the romance is how they find their way to each other. And in NA, like, they've found each other, and it's how they go on to live the rest of their lives together. And those are very different phases of relationships. And I'm glad that we're now able to read both phases. Right. I also really appreciate the second phase because um, I think the YA phase is so fun, and I love reading about it, and I love the excitement that you get to feel from the character as they're going through this. But also as someone who is um, a new adult, I guess. Just kidding. I found out in the past three days, like, three things that make me feel really old. <laughs> what are they? One of them is that, oh, no. okay, so first of all, a the fact that the chicken pox has a vaccine now, like, I always forget that. And that makes what? me feel old. The Wait, chicken no, pox it has... No, it had a vaccine when we were kids. I remember my mom wouldn't get it for me because she hadn't seen the long-term effects. Um, so I just had chicken pox. Yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, I don't think it was really... My mom didn't think it was really an option. Then my younger sister, it was an option, but um, she accidentally caught the chicken pox from somebody else before it was her turn to get the shot. So <laughs> uh, the other thing is I saw a TikTok about if this song was like your struggle song in middle school... Then you went through some shit, and it was Habits by Tovlo. No. Which came out when we were in, we could go to clubs then. No. We were hearing the club remix in the club. No. Wow, I didn't need to know that. That was rude of you to share. <laughs> you know what's worse? Just for, for context, I, I turned 28 last week, so really feeling the late 20s coming on now. Right. <laughs> Anyway, um, so in this episode of Kind of Too Old for TikTok Some Days, I feel that I think it hits different now reading about these sort of second phase where it's more complicated and, and it's less about like, oh my god, we found each other and more about, okay, we're doing this, let's do this thing. I really enjoy reading that and I like when it's um, hopeful endings at least, if not a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think that those are really fun to read. I just like, in general, that new adult, I feel like, can have more substance over young adult just because... And I think that teens can still read new adult. I just think it's more of an at-their-own-discretion, at-their-parents-discretion content-wise. Um, but I think, like, Bailey and I recently read The Poppy War, which I'm still sort of digesting. I really like it. The Poppy War is sort of the rare book where, like, usually I'm reading a young adult book and I feel like it's weird that they're that young and that everybody should just be aged up and it should be a new adult book. The Poppy War, I feel like, fits YA a lot more, except it's just such a, a dark and heavy and violent book and there's lots of drugs and there's lots of cursing. And so, you know, it's like your typical YA, but then they just, like, made it way darker 
And so I feel right. like it probably does fit into New Adult. Yes. And I think it works because we also pass time and the character ages. Sometimes the age of the character is young, but what they're going through happens to these characters when they're young. And I know we've talked about how you can't just be like, oh, it's a fantasy world. This happens to people when they're young in this fantasy world. But in this case, I think it works in the culture. Um, and she does grow up a little bit, but that it does remain heavily violent. There is self-harm. There's drugs. It's a deep book. And it's kind of like a little bit Ender's Game where you think when you stop to think about it, you're like, oh, my gosh, this character is so young. But then at the same time, when you're reading it, it still works and you're still very immersed in the world. And I am with Katie in that I kind of jumped into the second book and then took a moment and was like, maybe I need some time to think about this one before I, I read the second book because it is excellent, but requires thought. Yeah, I, I agree completely. It's great. And I think when I come out the other side of pondering it, I'm, it's going to be one that I really love. Um, it's just, you know, it's heavier than a lot of the usual books I read. I like to read stupid thrillers or like fun YA novels, and it's a little bit more challenging. And uh, R.F. Kuang has talked about how she based a lot of what happens off of the Sino-Japanese wars. And so a lot of it is based in real violence, which just adds, you know, that that next layer to it. Yeah, that's why I'm struggling with uh, after having finished that book with some of the content that happened to the entire nations, basically. Mm -hmm. Just I know it's based on true events and that makes it all the harder to deal with, um, even in the fictional novel. I think that one is definitely new adult or at least, as you said, discretionary because it has some fairly serious subject matter um, that might require more than just reading it and moving on. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned thrillers and some of my favorite thrillers, I feel like also have a lot of overlap with new adult. I really love Riley Sager books. I think that they're a lot of fun. And I think that they focus on the like regular age group of NA. And in addition to being like tense and scary, you know, the characters are dealing with that next phase of their life and kind of navigating being in their 20s. So uh, I really like Riley Sager. One of my favorite books is The Last Time I Lied. I know we were talking about Home Before Dark. No, Home Before Dark's the haunted one. What's the... Lock Every Door is the the hotel one. Yes. I actually was going to talk about Home Before Dark too because I feel like in Home Before Dark, she is the protagonist is older. She's going back and thinking about trying to figure out what happened in her childhood and realizing that she didn't learn everything that her parents were hiding from her because she was a child. Um, so Home Before Dark definitely, for me, fits into that new adult second rec reckoning thing. Yeah, she's going back and learning about what her parents hid from her and the things in her childhood that she forgot or repressed or that her parents kept hidden from her. I just said that twice, but really just dealing with all of that now that she's an adult. And I feel like that kind of internal struggle is not something that we get a lot in YA. That book kept me turning pages all night. <laughs> Lock Every Door did too, because genuinely, I had no idea where Lock Every Door was going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that book was wild. Anyway, if you like thrillers, Highly recommend Riley Sager. We'll try not to spoil any of it. 
but that's it's hard to talk about thrillers if you <laughs> are, don't have a heavy spoiler warning because yeah i also think pauline hoover is another author that we have read a fair amount of books from and i think her books tend to fall for me in a little bit of that new adult to verity especially mm-hmm. is one that is dealing with a bit of a more mature issue protagonist is a struggling writer and she's taking up a job offer and i don't really want to ruin again more (laughs) don't want to spoil it but the protagonist of verity is definitely not a young person who's trying to figure out her way in the world she's a person who has lost her way and is trying to come back to it a little bit Mm -hmm. verity is also very good and i suggest you read it and then one day you can listen to us talk about spoiling it or something (laughs) Yeah, I enjoyed Verity. That book is incredibly crazy. And I agree. I think that Colleen Hoover is often put into NA. I think a lot of her books, other than Verity, are more straightforward romances. I haven't read much of her past Verity, but that's my understanding, at least. Based on the few that I have read um, outside of Verity, yes, most of them tend more towards their romances with some thriller aspects, like It Ends With Us but definitely more towards the romance side, which I think is why she pops up on new adult list a lot. As we discussed, if you write romance, apparently that automatically means new adult. (laughs) I also think that Hank Green's books fall pretty into N.A., I don't think that they were marketed that way specifically, and I haven't seen anything about them, but they're very much the, you know, young, just out of college, navigating her career and fame and also aliens. And so that, like, the aliens and the kind of whimsy of it feels very YA, but the more intense subject matter and the age group, I think, puts it more to to new adult. Yes, especially the second book, uh, Beautifully Foolish Endeavor. The characters are all kind of struggling with this interpersonal thing where they've all hurt each other or one of them has done something and they have to sort of own it and come back together to um, complete the task. Beautifully Foolish Endeavor. (laughs) And I think that that very much so puts it into the new adult, even though, as you said, I don't think it's marketed that way. I don't think it's marketed any particular way. It's just sort of like, hey, look, John Green's brother wrote a novel and it's good. (laughs) Yeah, I think that calls back to how we were talking about how Leigh Bardugo couldn't write a new adult book until she had that established audience. You know, Hank Green doesn't have an established audience for books, but he has a lot of street cred for all of his other internet happenings. And John Green has a very established book audience. So I think he was able to sort of trade on his reputation to publish this book that didn't fit neatly into a genre category. I'm glad he was able to because I really like those books. I enjoyed them a lot as well. And I definitely don't think that they slot neatly into any one place. And uh, I'm not mad that he was able to use that sort of power to to publish these books and also not mad that hank green is on my tiktok (laughs) for you page all the time literally all of the time and i love it you know it's i was big into vlogbrothers for a period in high school and then i really fell off of it and it's funny that now it's sort of like come back around and i'm really into the green brothers again i am also very into teens like younger people who didn't know about Vlogbrothers sort of discovering it and figuring out that <laughs> Hank is actually like deeply embedded in fandom in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, John too. And that they have these cons and they have a whole history of years of doing things. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, yeah, it's fun. 
<laughs> That's my history, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were there. We were there when it was built. We were there on our parents' desktop computers in the computer room. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, my computer room was floor-to-ceiling wood paneled. It was, like, really uh, atmospheric. I love it. <laughs> Ours was in a basement room, so when we played the Nancy Drew computer games where you were trying to solve the mystery and someone was, you know, you know, things always got very tense. The music mm-hmm. would kick up. Someone was trying to kill you because you're Nancy Drew. We would shut the door and turn out the lights and just be like, ooh, <laughs> yes. And then my mom would, like, open the door and be like, dinner, and we'd all be like, ah! <laughs> Just tangentially, I'm pretty sure that those games like still have a pretty big online following. Like I think the Nancy Drew subreddit is for those games. Like it's not even for the original books. And like when the CW show came out, they had to create a new subreddit because our slash Nancy Drew was already taken. Wait, does this mean that I can finally figure out how to beat the ones that I never beat? Because maybe there will be guides on on Reddit. Okay, cool. I know what I'm actually doing after this. (laughs) (laughs) The one thing that we haven't really talked about yet, we've compared new adult to young adult a lot, but we haven't talked about um, how new adult is sort of different than adult, except the disparaged uh, for. 45-year-old divorcees <laughs> as protagonists. Which, hey, one day I could be a 45-year-old divorcee, and that'll be a lot more relatable to me then. Until then, I'd rather read about people in their 20s. Right. I will happily move to Ireland. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I do think that new adult does tend to have a different pace. I know we got a little stuck on this earlier, but I do think new adult tends to have more of a grab-you action pace. Mm-hmm than the typical adult novel outside of thrillers maybe or romances. Ooh, I think I might I think I might have it. I think adult quote unquote novels tend to be more character driven. Like I feel like contemporary literature is much more character driven and new adult can be more plot driven. And so it can fall into those more like fantasy chosen one type stories more so. Okay. I like it. Oh Bailey's having an epiphany, watching it wash over her face. I am. It's about Brandon Sanderson, specifically the Stormlight Archive. Okay. It is fantasy. It does have some plot driving devices, but also the characters must come to do a realization and say the ideal of their order before they can ascend in their order. So basically, journey before destination is one of the ideals, and they have to like realize that life is not about where you're going. It's it's about how you got there, and then they can come into their power more. And so I'm sort of realizing that he He's built a plot device for character development that drives his adult novel. (laughs) If you need me, I'll just be having a lot of thoughts about Stormlight Archive that I didn't before. (laughs) I love watching a literary epiphany in real time. Yeah. Okay. So character-driven plot, character-driven novels versus plot-driven novels, and then uh, all all the aspects in between. And I think that that sort of is embodied in The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, which is also by V.E. Schwab, and it's also very popular right now. It's super popular on Book Talk. I loved that book. I thought it was really something special. And when we were talking about this episode, we were talking about whether or not we thought Addie LaRue fit into a new adult category, and both of us really felt like it didn't. And I'm not sure we could totally verbalize at the time why. But I think looking back now, it is much more of like a quieter, character-driven book. Like clearly there's a lot of plot going on with with the devil 
or whatever and stuff like that. But I think that it is more centered around the characters and their relationships and experiences. Yes. And I would, well, I I don't want to say as usual because there are books I do not recommend that we've discussed. But I feel like when we say things in this way, as usual, like I highly recommend you read this book because especially if you only read a lot of YA or other NA, this book is such a good change of pace and kind of like the poppy war it leaves you thinking a little bit but much less much less dark thinking Mm -hmm. for the invisible life of Addie LaRue it's more of a contemplative internal thinking yeah I almost want to put a caveat because I've seen a lot of people recently who read it and were disappointed because they felt like there was so much hype and that it didn't live up to it it is a it's a quieter novel and you'll come away feeling much more contemplative like Bailey said and it's not gonna like necessarily wow you but if you give it the chance it'll give you a lot to think about and I really loved it I did too I think some of the issues with the feeling disappointed after reading it come from and this is not to knock the the creators at all but a lot of the times I'll see it recommended on like book talk it will be recommended with other YA or NA novels that have a very fast action plot Mm -hmm. and then the invisible life of Addie LaRue is just not that it's still very good but it's besides the very beginning that reaches out and grabs you it's kind of it's a slow burn and it's fascinating Mm -hmm. yeah i agree anyway uh we recommend that book and we loved it and i think that we've landed on it's it's not a new adult book it's more of an adult and i think it sort of just embodies what we were talking about with the plot driven versus character driven novels right so going forward in new adult i hope that this genre can continue to become its own thing going back to the definition from the very beginning i don't think it needs to be a subgenre of adult uh, that's tricky because i don't think any bookstore is going to build a new section for it necessarily but i think it deserves a attention all on its the genre has created a unique type of book a unique type of novel that comes out as we've discussed with all these different differences between everything there's a space for it and we need to continue to read and when we get the opportunity to use our 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 dollars as feedback say we want new adult we want more of this relatable middle content because i don't see myself ever entirely growing out of it obviously they're just like with YA now. There are some things that I look at it and I'm like, no, you know what? That's definitely too YA for me. Eventually, there will probably be books that are too NA for me. But that doesn't mean that we should not have some of these really good books we've talked about just because they don't really feel like it fits well in in a certain genre. Yeah, I agree completely. I also, in preparation for this episode, I was reading actually just the Wikipedia page, but I kept clicking on the sources from the Wikipedia page of New Adult, and I found a couple of really interesting articles where in 2012, people literally thought that New Adult was like a marketing scam. Like there's an article from Jezebel, and it's titled New Adult Fiction is now an official literary genre because marketers want us to buy things. And in Publishers Weekly, there was an article that said New Adult needless marketing speak or valued subgenre. And I think that's really funny because from my perspective it's 
almost the exact opposite. Like, I feel like marketers and publishers aren't willing to take a chance on something that doesn't fit neatly into YA or into adult. And so that's why the genre hasn't really taken off yet. And I love the rise in popularity of books like Red, White, and Royal Blue and Love Them or Be Bailey, all the Sarah J. Moss books, and like Leah Bardugo getting up her author cred and being able to publish Ninth House. I think that that is all really exciting because it's sort of forcing the industry to create space for more of these novels. Yes, there's so much to be said about the publishing industry and the things I know barely scratch the surface of what can be said about that. But I'm on the same page as you. I've always felt that they're hesitant to take those new chances because why would they? And this carries over to a lot of things in publishing, including unestablished authors and things like that. But I think that, um, first of all, marketers are always trying to sell you something. So yes, articles <laughs> like it, like the marketer, like they're trying to do that. That's their job. Um, <laughs> but second of all, why would that be a bad thing? to have a new thing to sell. I love books. Please sell me more books, please. Also, just from the, that Jezebel article, it ends with, let's be honest, marketers need new adult fiction, which really just means books about millennials, right? To be a standalone genre, not readers, which disagree. But then what comes after that is, it reminds me of the term teenager, which crazy as it seems now, didn't even exist until the mid 20th century. Today, teenagers are a $200 billion consumer group. We've already commodified youth. Will marketers will marketers be able to commodify kind of youth as successfully? They're certainly going to try. So wait, hold on. You're saying there's one industry that millennials did not kill and it's <laughs> new adult publishing? <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Okay, cool. We have, uh, we're like, what, um, one to 10,000? Yeah. Anyway, I just think that it's a hilarious take that it's like, you can't just keep adding age groups. We already added teenagers. Now you want to add new adult? Oh my God, how dare we realize there's a market share? <laughs> Big get off my lawn energy. Yeah, that's pretty, that's, man, let's keep a uh, new adult hopping so that in a couple more years, we can look back at this Jezebel article again and be like, my God. Yeah, I'm not going to call the author out by name. You can find the article, but uh, I'm going to at you in another decade when New Adult is good. And I seriously think it should because, again, I'm going to say this a million times. Reading should be for an enjoyment. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you can also read to learn and things, but reading is allowed to be purely for enjoyment. Mm -hmm. And if that means that we have to create a subgenre so that you can find books that you find enjoyable, fucking do it. Mm -hmm. I agree. All right kind of youth is what gets me the the genre is called new adult and they're like oh you're kind of youth <laughs> and i just i feel like they've missed the whole point of new adult when they they say that because um i think the thing is we don't we don't want youth we just want something we can relate to and something that is applicable to adults but again not 45 year old divorcees like <laughs> There has to be space for everybody. Reading should be enjoyable. Reading should be accessible. You should be able to find something you like and you enjoy. A new adult is good and it fits in there and we're right and we should say it. We are right and we should say it. I agree. Speaking of being right and saying it, you should join us over the next three episodes as we discuss Libra Dugo's Grishaverse six of crows and then the tv show we've actually already recorded everything but the tv episode which means we've made some wild predictions about what the tv show will will bring us um so yeah we're right and we should say it 
yourself a glass of wine Let's start reading in between the lines Never know what we might find Yeah, it could be magic Oh, oh, oh. Tinted Glasses is hosted by Bailey Utrecht and me, Katie Phillips Our logo is by Baby Truth Collection And our theme song is by the very talented Anna Voss Join us in two weeks as we start our odyssey into the Grishaverse and get all caught up in time for the new Netflix show, Shadow and Bone. See you soon.